0: Welcome to the Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor podcast with Victor Dadaj, where you'll hear stories and strategies to help increase your sales and grow your business. Here's your host, Victor Dadaj.
1: All right, welcome to Entrepreneurs Visiting Victor. I'm your host, Victor Dadaj. I hope you're having an amazing day today. Today, we have an awesome guest. He is a dapreneur. He is an author. He is a podcaster. He is an expert in lead generation, digital marketing, business strategy, website optim- optimization, content marketing, and a whole bunch of other things. So let's welcome Alex Oliveira. How are you doing today, Alex?
0: Victor, thanks for having me. No, I'm doing fantastic. Happy to be here.
1: Hi, it's great to have you on. So I'd like to get started asking you, you know, to please share your story. How did you get started becoming an entrepreneur?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, really watching family growing up. I, I'm originally from Brazil. Came here in 1988 as a 10 year old. And by the age of 11, I was bussing tables, which you could do that back then. You know, I was saving for a bike and I watched my dad's friend build that restaurant, Italian restaurant down in South Florida. And I got that, you know, just that bug right then and there, just watching him with his freedom and his, you know, convertible Corvette and all of that good stuff. But anyways, my family, like a lot of immigrant families came here, worked a lot of, you know, odd jobs, but then eventually launched their own company, a clothing company that went on to be a million dollar business, you know, multi-millions. Every year we employed, you know, over 50 people and and, and that business grew and I grew up in that business going to uh arts and craft shows conferences uh flea markets all kinds of stuff with my parents and and um that was like really awesome to have grown up around entrepreneurs a lot of aunts and uncles were uh owned their own businesses as well so you could say i i mean i literally grew up around that didn't know anything else other than i really liked the lifestyle even the ups and downs that i saw so for me it was like an easy choice as i grew older and came out of college. My my first choice was let me go right into my own thing. You know.
1: No, absolutely, yeah. So it's it's kind of nice. It's it's. I think it. I, I would assume it's a lot easier when you grew up in it because a lot of most entrepreneurs they do it later on. They might work one kind of job and then they say, you know, I had a, had enough. Let me try to become an entrepreneur. And it's it's a total shift in mindset. But you have had that mindset since you were, you know, since you were a young kid because you saw you saw your family do it. So, your dad's friend opened up a restaurant to have a nice living, and then your family went in. They they did a whole bunch of business, including one that was multi million dollar. And you saw so your aunts and uncles doing the same thing. So, everyone around your family was entrepreneurial. And that's really the mindset that you learned. So, once you were done with college, you just say, you know what? I don't want to work in an you know, office nine to five budget payers. You know, this is the kind of lifestyle that I want because it's like you say, you even like the ups and the downs, you know what to expect. So, you knew where everything, you know what you know what's going to happen what could happen so and this is what you were using you said this is, kind of, this is what i love doing and it's it's the thing that makes you wake up every morning you know looking forward to the day I correct
0: absolutely yeah and along the way iterations and and i did have a few stints in my you know lifetime at different companies i did in college i, I Took my series seven. Was gonna be a stockbroker because I thought, well, even in there, I could be an entrepreneur because I could own my own brokerage, right? And and then I did that that wasn't really for me, you know. I said, man, but it was cool to have um, these experiences at Fortune five hundred companies to see the processes that my family and and aunts and uncles like they didn't have that process, right? Everybody was just scrappy. They worked hard. Um, so seeing both sides and then going, well, you know, what's missing from them? Because every time the economy would go down a little bit, their businesses would drag as well, right? Because they weren't doing marketing effectively. They weren't doing um, the the back end of the business, the accounting and HR and legal as effective as they should. Mm -hmm. Now going to work for bigger companies that have those processes, that was incredible because then I could adopt those things into the business. So.
1: Obviously, you definitely learn from the bigger company. So, you mind sharing a little bit more about your journey after you finished college, and you know when you went out on your own. You know, because you know you obviously did it when you were a kid. So, tell us something of your journey. You know, if you're 22, you're done with college, and you obviously did some work at the big company. So, you want to share your journey from after you finished college to now?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, moved down to to South Florida from Orlando, where I met my wife. She was then my girlfriend. I compelled her to move down with me. And we bought our first house. I think I was like 22, 21, 22. And I went to work for my, my uh, mom's business, at my mom's business as the CEO. And I did that for like two years. But Victor, I, I found out very quickly. It was like I wanted my own thing. It was nice to step right into the CEO position and have 40 plus employees and accounts that were set up. But um, it wasn't my passion, you know, and I know that in entrepreneurship, we all hear these thought leaders talk about passion, but I think it is important. You know, I, I wouldn't say it's like number one, but it, it's definitely up there in the top like five because I wasn't passionate. And, you know, when I had a nice salary. I had every I had friends that said, what are you doing? You're there at your mom's you've got a business and, and now you're going to go start a construction company. Cause I, I did that in 2004. I said, yeah, absolutely. I want my own thing. I want to buy real estate and I want to flip homes. I, I did all of that. And I built this construction company, by the way, with my wife. So from 2004 to 2009, those five years, wow. Incredible. It was like, a, we had a hockey stick effect growth But then 2008, 2009 came and and we all remember the recession, Mm -hmm. how bad it hit. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I made all the mistakes, you know, it was so different going from being at a family business than having my own growing to a million in the second year and and we kept growing. But then when 08, 09 comes around, I make the same mistakes that I saw a lot of people around me make, which was, holy crap, I'm overextended on credit. I've got clients who aren't paying. The economy's slowing down. What am I gonna do now? Because there's no cash flow. So I really made all those mistakes in those first, you know, five years, and um, you know, I, I yeah, paid for it big time.
1: <laughs> no, awesome, and thanks for sharing that. And, and, and it's, it's good for the audience to know because I think a lot of audience members think that everyone that's successful has always been successful. They never had struggles, never had failures. And you just shared your story. You say you went out, you. You know, you worked for your mom and see her for two years, and then it wasn't your passion. Then you went 2004 with your wife. You guys started this construction company. You wanted to go into real estate. And early years, you guys were doing great. You were killing it. But then, you know, the last couple of years when that, you know, the, the recession in 2008, and they had real estate really hard at that time. And like yeah. a lot of the people, you were overextended. And man, you went through a lot of struggles. So, um, so tell us, you know, and obviously, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs go through that. We've all gone through our struggles, sure. our failures. How did you bounce back from what happened to you in 2000 and 2009?
0: Yeah, so it was a hard time in our lives, Victor. You know, and my, as I said, my wife and I, we had already been married for like five years by that point. So we were having our first child and we had, you know, a, a big setback. We lost our child at birth. And I'm so sorry. no, thank you. And, you know, what happened was we just said, forget it. We can't do the business right now between the economy the way it is we had, I mean, millions of dollars worth of like both accounts, payable receivables, you know, employees, forklifts, trucks, like, I mean, really a big operation. Um, and we're sitting there and we go through this, you know, very emotional moment in our lives. And it was like, you know, we can't do this. You know, we can't lead this team. I've got employees, I've got vendors, you know, can do it so we closed up shop for a few months went out west we we drove all the way out to the grand canyon and everywhere in between spent a month on the road came back reassessed the situation and said you know what our our commercial side of our business was commercial construction was still very valuable so we were able to sell that we closed down the other division and that was it and then i said all right let me take some time off went and worked for a couple of companies actually spent uh, almost a year um, at a subsidiary of Home Depot, and so that w- that was nice. You know, I needed that, uh, Victor. So you know, for the entrepreneurs out there, there is nothing wrong with working for someone. And sometimes in life, depending on what season you're in, or or the moment. In my case, that setback, that's what I needed. Now I was still in a management position, but I had you know 50 people above me I can lean on. I had the teams. You know, I wasn't the one you know uh, guiding the ship. So it was, it was perfect at that time. And then we had uh, our second baby right the following year and one more, you know, and we kept having more today. We have four kids. And um, those two years between Home Depot and another insurance carrier, I went to work for doing lead generation. uh, Those two years were great. It allowed me to bounce back, settle all our accounts and just clean up everything financially. And then, and then that, but that, that itch was still there, you know, I got to get back into it. Mm -hmm. So then that's when I launched predict, you know, 2011. And um, now it's been what, 11 years. And we, you know, same thing in the first two years, we're able to grow to uh, uh, over a million in revenue. And I've never looked back since. And not to say that in the last 11 years, we haven't made uh, mistakes, but the mistakes have been much more, much smaller uh, than the ones that I made in my first few years, you know,
1: Oh, uh, absolutely. And thanks for sharing that. So, you know, you guys went through those struggles. You did find that one side, the commercial side was going well, so you're able to sell that and you guys get rid of the other stuff. And then you worked for a couple of years for other companies. So there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I think entrepreneurs say, well, I'll never work for someone else. They don't let, sometimes you got to let the ego go, let the pride go. And, you know, you went yeah. through a couple of years, you worked for a subsidiary of Home Depot, you worked for insurance care and they were good years for you. Number one, you were able to get back on your feet with things were easier for you and your wife. Number one, you were managing people, but you also had a bunch of people above you, which helped mm-hmm. ease things. You didn't have to worry about if there was some problem, you, you know you could reach out to someone above it. And, you know, those couple of years, you know, had a steadying effect on you and your business. And then the time came where well, you know what? You know, I'm I i want to go back. And you know, in 2011, you launched a new company, and you know, you guys had your second baby, and you know, you guys—it's been a good ride since then. Uh, nice eleven years. You guys, first couple of years, did really well. You made a million dollars, and it, it, this is just nice to hear because you guys went through a whole bunch of stuff there. You know, late 2000, 2000, all kinds of things, financial and personal, um, and you guys were able to overcome it. And like you said. You still occasionally make mistakes. They make, you know, but you know what? There are smaller mistakes. You learn for your mistakes. So it's something for everyone to remember. It's okay to make mistakes. The thing is just learn from them. And then you try to avoid making them, or if you do make them, they don't you know, make them as badly. So you've learned a lot. So, uh, and, and it's great. So and just for those that are starting to realize, you know what? Um, Alex just shared a really great story. No matter what you go through, you can overcome it. And, uh, and I, let me, let me ask you something. All this adversity that you and your wife went through, has it made you guys stronger people?
0: Oh, absolutely. Both in in our own individual sort of lives, but but also as, as a, a couple, you know? I mean, the way we raise our kids, everything that we we've done and arrived at was very intentional at first, you know, we said, Oh, you know, when I build this business again, we're going to do all these things differently. And eventually we're going to move away from South Florida into a smaller town where we can homeschool the kids, where we can buy an RV and travel the country and take two, three months vacation out of the year while still having multiple businesses with, you know, streams of income. Those were all the dreams back in 11, when it was very like fresh in my head, like, you know, but it's always fresh, to be honest, because I think those the, the mistakes that I made then were so big, they're still painful when I think about it today. Mm-hmm. And so every decision that I make, I try to say, well, you know, I can make one mistake, two mistakes a day, very small. But in the grand scheme of things, you can't make a whole series of mistakes and take those big risks that I used to take because I've got four kids. I've got employees. I've got mm-hmm. vendors, clients, people depending on me. So I can't just be like, you know what? Why don't I put a million dollars into crypto? Uh, you can't do that, you know. And I probably would have done that back then. Today, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, you know what? Maybe I'll put like $500 in in in, mm-hmm. in something like that. I bought some NFTs recently, mm-hmm. and I and that's that's enough risk for me. But I understand the risk reward and and how that works in business too, you know. And um, but again, you you have to have that mindset of of you know wanting to grow. And then putting forward the strategies and then most importantly, executing on them. Because I'm the first one to tell you, Victor, I'm one of those entrepreneurs that I'm like from here to my car in the driveway and I come up with a new business idea. And then I have to be like, hold on a second, Alex, focus, focus. Because if you don't focus, um, the people who are depending on you for the, the thing that's actually working. I remember this one guy, a banker, Kurt. Uh, who I knew in my other uh, business, he said to me, Alex, at the time we started to flip homes, buy homes, bunch of homes, and the construction business was doing fantastic. This is 07, 08. And he goes, look, I'm not a big risk taker. I work for a bank, but I've done very well, Alex. It seems to me that you are going in so many directions trying to build this empire. Why don't you just follow the money? Like that business right there is just killing it for you. And I'm going... Yeah, but I want to do all those things, you know. And so that stayed with me, Victor, no 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 BS, you know, the, in that yes, I have to try new things, come up with new ideas, iterate. Um, but I have to focus on the on the money train, on the thing that's actually working. And depending on the phase or or season of life and even in business, sometimes you go, well, right now I'm going to take on a line of business that I wasn't really intending on but i'm gonna here's why right because the bottom line matters too you can't just do what's doing i'm so passionate about doing this well if it doesn't generate revenue and it doesn't you know produce profits then you have to do what works
1: absolutely and those are some great points you shared. number one is the most successful people do take risk but it's managed risk so they don't just like uh Invest some company that's going to go under in three weeks. They want to say, you know, is it worth the money I'm investing? So they may not spend a whole ton of money, but they'll spend something. Like you said, you're not going to put a million dollars in crypto. You might put in a few hundred bucks to get in in that NFT. So it's a managed risk. So it's like you said, you you have a wife, you have kids, you have employees. You have to take all of that into consideration when you're making a, a you know an assessment. Should I take this risk and invest this much? So, and this is something also says people do. They they are willing to take risks. Um, Actually, a lot of us, people do not say risk, but it's, it's, uh, it's a calculator risk. They calculate the benefits against the, the things that can go wrong. And if it's, if the benefits outweigh it, they will take the risk. They just, they just don't go blindly in it. So thanks Absolutely. for sharing that. And, and thanks for sharing, you know, about the stuff about the focus, you know, because a lot of people, and it, especially those that are getting started as entrepreneurs, it's, there's so many great opportunities. You know, they say, I'm going to try eight different things. And what happens a lot is you can't focus. You know, you, you, Get hit with paralysis analysis because you're overwhelmed, you know, Mm what things to focus on. And like you said, follow the money train, follow the things that's generating the projects, making the money. And a lot of people don't realize this, but they think multitasking is good. It's actually not. Studies show again and again (laughs) that people that multitask are a lot less productive. Those that focus on one thing at a time get a lot more done. That applies to your business too. So you got to focus on one thing at a time. Focus on one business. You can always add another business later on, but make sure your first business is generating that money, and then you can see you want to add a second business, and you know, and then focus. And one acronym I learned for focus was follow one course until it's successful. If you do that, because all successful people do that they they're incredibly focused, they're incredibly consistent, and that they, they don't let things distract them from the main objective, the thing that you know, like you said, the money train, the thing that generates the profit for you. So that's what you need to focus on. For all those listening, this is a very important point, Alex made. You got to focus on the things that generate profit, and then later on, once you've had a steady stream going in for a while, then you might want to take a look at something else that might uh, generate uh, additional profit. But again, do not try eight things at once because you will you will make money in them, and instead of having multiple streams of income, you will have multiple streams of uh, debt. So the next question I want to ask you is just tell us about this company. You have know, you since in 2011, like the first couple of years. Um, yeah, you know, you guys made a million dollars. and have been very successful. Tell us about some of the uh, services that you offer. Because you do a lot of different things here. So uh, you want to tell about some of the services your company is offering to clients?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, Predict, we started with end-to-end digital marketing services and lead gen Um, which the lead gen that we do is a little different than what digital marketing agencies do in that we focus on affiliate marketing. So we have a whole network of influencers, creators, uh, email uh, people. And what, what we do there is bring a, an advertiser, which would be the company or the brand that comes to us saying, Hey, we have a sales team. We need more leads, whether it's product or service, it doesn't really matter. Or the vertical also doesn't matter. We've worked in just about every vertical an industry. So what matters to us is that you have a sales team because when we turn on that uh, faucet, so to speak, um, you have to be ready, you know? So it's kind of hard for small businesses, solopreneurs to do it on the scale that we do for clients because you, you're you not going to be able to recruit a bunch of, you know, uh, um, publishers. That's what we call them in the affiliate world to, to run five leads a day, you know? The, these guys are running massive traffic. They're the same people, publishers who are selling traffic to Google, to Facebook, right? When you run an ad on Facebook and Google, you'll notice that they allow you to target users on their through their third party uh, platforms, right? So we're working with the same people here, but buying that traffic wholesale, and um, so so that's pretty much it. I mean, if you have a sales team, you're a great client for us. If you don't, that's where I've created that body of work, Victor. Um, everything from the courses to the videos, the webinars, the podcast, I've created a whole you know suite of 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 content around the topic of lead generation. Um, to be able to help those solopreneurs and small businesses, you invest your time. It's really your time. I, I give a lot of courses away for free and do a lot of speaking for that reason, you know. And what ends up happening, and I could tell you dozens of stories over the years, a business that starts out, takes one of the courses for free. They 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 start to come to our webinars, whatnot, three, four, five years as they grow and they have a sales team. Then they come to predict and say, hey, we did a lot of the things you you advised us on. Some didn't work because that's the big the big uh, dirty secret in marketing, right? And it's not a secret. It's just the fact that most campaigns are not going to be out of the park. Most campaigns are going to be average. Some are going to be complete flops because there's no good marketer or lead generator out there who's not going to be testing new things that haven't worked yet on new platforms, right? Whether it's TikTok, Snap, whatever. You're going to try and you're going to fail. And then you're going to try again and again, different headlines, different landing pages, Uh, And then you're going to do a lot of testing and then you're going to come back, optimize and say, got it, that one worked. But most of them do not work. I mean, we know even on a massive scale, Super Bowl ads that have completely flopped where award-winning agencies have created the the, the ads. And here you've got this huge audience and crickets, no traffic to the website, no phone calls. So it happens, okay? Because consumer behavior, there's a lot of things at play. But a good marketer is going to say, look, client, you want to grow. You're a small business. You're a solopreneur. You want to grow. Here are the things that we need to do to get you there. And then uh, when you get, when we get you there, you have to be ready to take on the business. The problem with many small businesses and solopreneurs, Victor, and I had this problem too when we, in the construction business, we only had like two sales guys. Well, if you get an influx of leads, you're not going to be able to book all those sales demos. Like for us, we were in construction doing remodeling. You would imagine like on a typical week, we'd get 20, 30 leads. Well, on the weeks that we ran more ads and got 40, 50, guess what happens? We can't follow up as quickly. And then on top of that, you can't even book the estimate in a timely manner. So now people are calling you going, I'd like a quote now. And you're going, actually, I'm booked for three, four, five weeks, sometimes months. And then you have the labor issue, which everybody's having right now, which is: look, I, I I'd like to do your work, especially service businesses, but I am booked for the next two, three, four months. So you know, supply and demand is at play there for sure. But at the end of the day, look: if you're if you're saying I want to do marketing, I want to get more leads, more traffic, the question you really have to ask yourself is: how much more business can you handle? There's nothing worse than spending a bunch of money and creating content, doing SEO generating leads and then mismanaging the entire customer experience and journey that'll just leave people more pissed at you than, than, than um, it needs to be, you know?
1: No, absolutely. I think you just brought up a really great point. How much business can you have? Like if you're getting too so much business you don't have the sales force and the customer service fields to handle. Like you said, I know when I call someone and I'm on hold for like two hours, I get annoyed. I hang up. I don't want to spend forever or, you know, they say, call, call me back in two months. You know, we don't have a book. I'm, you know what? I'm not going to call them again. I'm going to well, call someone else.
0: Well, can I give you an example that literally sure. just happened today, Victor? Yeah. So to 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 your point, uh, I went to the doctor and I needed a referral to do a sleep study. And I called the sleep study place and said, great. I want to do, a, a, you know, um, book a study section with you guys i was referred and but before that happened for the last two weeks we've been playing phone tag i call them they call me i call them they call me this is a lead i'm a lead to them right and even though they may not be paying for that lead because they're getting it directly from the doctor doesn't matter in every business there's leads i'm a lead and here i am two weeks later finally spoke to the lady and booked the appointment but here's the deal she was as you might expect with a lot of these, you know, doctor's offices that need more training and customer service experience and care, she says, oh, well, we've been chasing you too. Um, well, not two, cause she said that, we've tried to call you four times. I said, well, I've called you back every time and I've actually called uh, at different times, but you guys on your message say you're closed from 12 to two for lunch and you're closed on, on Friday. Is that my fault that you're closed three days out of seven in a week and you're not working for like most of those hours? listen, I'm the customer, you should be accommodating me. And I wasn't calling her out. Right. But here's a perfect example of a business that has leads, but is mismanaging it. And then the employee is actually going to throw it in my face that, Hey, I try to call you four times. Hey, I try to call you four times. Should I get a discount because you're not picking up because you're the business serving. So it's just that whole point of supply and demand, you know, you want to grow, but you got to be ready. You have to have the people in place and the process.
1: No, absolutely, and customer service is so important, as you just mentioned right there. Now, I have, I just signed up for something, and I can tell you that I was playing little phone time with the person, and and I left a couple of messages saying, you know what, I'll give you a call tomorrow. And you know what, that person called me back a half hour later because she was taking an issue, being proactive. Then you know right. she and, and you know what they got me. You know I wound up uh, paying them, and because they were being proactive, they made me feel important and. You know, yeah, I I think customer service go. is something I think small businesses really need to focus on more because uh number one, it's it's easier keeping a current customer than it is getting a new one. It's a lot more work getting a new customer. And here's the other thing. Um uh, word of mouth helps. But even more people that are angry at you and have a negative uh a negative reaction, they had a bad experience. And guess what? They've got to go tell all their friends uh on Facebook and LinkedIn and they're gonna go they're gonna go on yell saying this this is this experience itself so don't go there. They mm-hmm. tend to do that a lot more than the people that are happy with their experience. So you gotta I keep people, no keep that definitely keep them happy. And and you I mentioned agree. something earlier about you know the small the people that have small sales force you only have a couple of people, solopreneurs. Um you've given them away things that are free courses or you have giving them other course which they pay, which is you know, a lot less money than like what you charge for bigger clients. And so when they bought these things, these webinars, or, and they tried it for a year or two, some things worked, some things didn't, but you know what, as as their business group, guess what, because they liked what you gave them, three or four years, five years down the road, they reached out to you. So uh, having a long-term view of things is also very important. Serving clients, giving them what they need now. You know, you, you may start off with them giving you $50. But that thing, if you take care of them with $50,000, can turn it to $5,000, 10000 20000 down the road. So don't always try to get 20000 out of the time. Maybe just get a hundred out of them, build that value ladder, which is what you've done with a lot of these clients, and that could turn it to many thousands later on. So I think that's a very important point you brought, you brought up. I want to make sure the audience did not miss out on that.
0: Yeah, I so agree. I mean, look, nerd, and and that's really a more customer and lead nurturing Tactic and strategy than anything else. It's nurturing. And as you said, making the customer feel like they're wanted and they're important. And you do that not just by blasting a bunch of emails, emails after emails. No, you pick up the phone, you call them, you send them some direct mail, you keep following up with them, and then you serve them with content. So for service providers out there, you know, but also product based businesses are using uh, social media and content and email uh, and their websites, right? Video to stay in front of their customer. And you don't have to be everywhere, okay? You have to first find out where your customers hang out. And then once you do that, you say, okay, I know these are the top three platforms and always start with your website first. I always want people to go to your website first. Then you got to create content because that's really all all SEO and search engines are about. Google, you know, like north of 90% of their revenue comes from paid ads. And paid ads can't survive without... Websites and content creators adding to the platform, so that when people search, there's a plethora of of options, right? With with search results. So, if you're not creating content consistently, and when I say content, I know it sounds like listen now you're making me I got to do blogs, I got to do email, I got to do SEO. No, 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 no. That's the inventory. The inventory of your products and services. It's just it's just packaged in a way that it's content to be able to bridge that gap between you and the customer. Because if your customer goes to YouTube, I'm not a YouTube fan, but I have to create content on YouTube because I know I have clients who are looking for lead generation, marketing, whatnot on YouTube. I have to be there. I don't have to get a thousand views. I'm okay if I get 10 views on on a video that I do. So long as that video educates someone, I can tell you in every channel that I've created content for over the last, you know, 12 plus years, I have people come back to me and say, Hey, I, I saw you uh, um, on a video or on a social media site, or I got your email, downloaded your ebook, whatever the case, sometimes three, four, five years. And then I will go to my database to, I use Zoho for the CRM. You go to Zoho and we start to look at that, that email that they used and boy. Lo and behold, that prospect had been following and, and and engaging with our content for like three, four, five years. Incredible, right? But it's that long-term game that you're talking about and then nurturing them. Uh, the problem is so many small businesses don't create that as a line item. How will I nurture my clients? You are a perfect example of that here, Victor. You are creating a platform for your would-be clients partners employees vendors you name it by create by putting out a podcast with with topics that might might be of use to them maybe not but i'm sure as you start to grow and you stay consistent you're going to hear people say hey now I'm ready to work with you, Victor, and I know about you because I heard your podcast and you were really intentional with the content. You know, so that's the other the other side of that. You can't outsource this to India or Fiverr. You have to do it yourself. Did you have to do a podcast? No, you could do blogs, but but you're going to need good writers. If you're going to get video, you got to do, you know, decent videos, but you have to think it through because no one is a better expert at your product or service than you. So just do it, but you got to do it long term.
1: No, absolutely, I totally agree with you. You gave some great points there. Uh, create that content, like you said. Google loves it. You know, like the websites, the blogs, the the videos, and you know. And one thing you also mentioned, you, you know, you weren't crazy about doing YouTube videos, but you know, some of your clients like going on YouTube. So the focus isn't on what you want. The focus is. What, I'm, what do my clients and potential clients want? And some of them are going to be on YouTube. So you start doing YouTube videos. So that's the thing you got to do when you have your own business. You got to focus on what do my clients want? And I think that's one error a lot of people make. They think like, they're going to like what I like. Not necessarily. You got to figure out what is it that they want, they need, they desire. What are the problems that you can solve for them? And a lot of people don't do that. You want to say something?
0: It, yeah. And can I add one more thing about YouTube? Because I know what I'm going to get mm-hmm. from a lot of small business and people who sure. are on YouTube. They're fixated on the YouTube creators who are making cat videos and whatever else that people are entertained by. First of all, I'm not there to really entertain people. I call it edutainment. I wanna educate them first and entertain them second. But what people don't understand is that the video experience on YouTube is pretty poor. So what do we do with YouTube videos? Well, we, we have thousands of videos that we've created over time. And the question I get is, how come I don't see thousands on your channel? That's because most of the videos are private and some of them are gated on the back end of our website using Vimeo. So you might see 10% of the content that we put out there. Once you become a part of my community, my clientele, you get the videos. And as I said, it's who watches them and who consumes them. Not because the, the fact is if you're not doing that whole level of entertainment and, and the really the the creator, the gamers, lifestyle brands like those those types of creators do great in the massive sort of uh, uh platform right like if I'm looking at YouTube for like the the stuff that is mainstream but if you're a service provider you have expertise in a certain area you're gonna have to be very deliberate about who you're sending those videos to because it's not like you're gonna hey I'm gonna spend you know an entire day create a masterpiece and I'm gonna put it on YouTube I'm gonna upload it I'm going to really optimize it for SEO. I'm going to have 5,000 words, boom. And then it's going to go viral. No, it's not. Like five people are going to watch it and all those are going to be your like family members. (laughs) You know, so you have to have a strategy. How else will you get those videos out there? And it doesn't even have to be front-facing public for views because who cares about the public views? Most of those views are tire kickers anyways. What I want is people in my community absorbing my content.
1: That's a great point that you have people in your community absorbing the content. So, a lot of those videos are private, you know, they're backed up on Vimeo. So, that's something very important. Like you said, a lot of those people that are watching YouTube probably a lot of them are tire kickers. So, you got to be deliberate as to who you send the videos to and the content. So, that's very important. Again, focus on the people that want what you have, the mm-hmm. things that, that that basically your, your ideal customer, your ideal avatar. A lot of people have to understand this. You have too many people trying to sell steak to vegetarians and it's not going to happen <laughs> you got to fight people who like eating meat and steak and that's that that's you're very deliberate as to who you target for your content that's and if, you, if you're able to do that you're going to be a lot more successful and again i love the fact you're talking about the long-term outlook you're nurturing people giving out all these content there are people been following for three four five years and saying hey you know you know i, I saw this ebook of yours i saw this video and you didn't realize these people have been following you for many years and and sometimes they're just not going to respond that first week or month. No. If you're nurturing that relationship, man, three or four years down the road, they're ready to do, you know, a lot of you. They're ready to buy from you. So that's, that's right. why patience is so important. I remember Les Bryant used to talk about the bamboo tree. And for those of you that are not familiar, the story goes like this. Uh, the person who's grown the bamboo tree spends four to five years nurturing the tree. It's growing underground. It's not above ground. The person is nurturing it, watering it, taking care of it. And it's building the roots deep inside. And it looks like okay. nothing is happening. But in the fifth year, in this in the matter of a couple of months, the bamboo tree grows 90 feet in the air. Now, did it grow 90 feet in two months or did it take five years? It took the five years of the watering, and the nurturing, and taking care of it. That's why the bamboo tree was able to grow that 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 large. What? But it took several years of you know taking care of it.
0: I love your I love your uh analogy there and I I have a real example of that. I, I have a passion for for gardening and and you know trees and stuff like that. So when uh we moved about 4 years ago, um I was very intentional in the types of plants and trees I wanted to to you know grow. And one of the ones that I was really excited for was a mango tree that we brought the seed from Brazil from uh from a, a family's tree and and so we brought that and I, my mom planted it at first because she knew how to get it going. She gave it to me. It was about a foot tall, like nothing, in a little pot. So I come here, and I start to, you know, fertilize the ground, and then I put the tree in there. So here we are, four years into it. This summer, it was the first year that it actually gave fruit. Now, in those four years, Victor, I can tell you, I took care of it like a baby. Okay, I went there and I weeded it. I put the food. I put the. the I mean, really again. And I see nothing just leaves and it's growing, growing, growing. Now it's about 15 feet tall, but it's the first year. Typically mango t- trees take five to seven years to actually give fruit. Um, but, um, mine did in, in, in four and, uh, it wasn't a lot, you know, it was, you know, maybe like a dozen mangoes, not the hundred that I was expecting, but it was a dozen like huge. I mean, they're size of melons and we cut this baby and Oh man, it was so sweet. I'm telling you the thing was so sweet. And yeah, and then there's that moment of like, you know, I nurtured it all through those years in the summer and the hot and the cold, whatever, you know and uh, and that's how you got to do with the business as well, right?
1: No, absolutely. and thanks for sharing that story about the mango tree. It took you like four years, and finally, you know, you finally got some food coming on. you know it wasn't a big hearth, but some came out, and I'm sure next year's gonna be even bigger. <laughs> I'm looking forward training. to it. Yeah, like I yeah. said, it takes five to seven years. You have to be patient. And people have to realize great things take time to develop. I remember I spoke to someone. Uh, I was looking at someone who came up to me. She says, even a baby takes nine months to develop. We have to be patient. Yeah. Focus, and then, then focus on the process. Focus on the activity more than the results, especially in the beginning. You got to be patient. Because you're patient, you're able to eat some green mango now.
0: Well, you know, and I, and I do, as I, as I've grown uh, older, (laughs) I feel like that's the one thing that I have today, Victor, that I didn't have early on in my life, which is that patience that you're talking about. And actually not only being able to focus, like I'm talking personal and business here, focus on one thing, looking at it five, 10 years down the road and then saying, you know what, that whole journey is going to be amazing with the ups and downs, right? Like no, no, no doubt about that. And, um, and that's not something that I was able to do when I was younger. You know, for me, it was like not the journey as much as the destination. It was like, look, I got to get there. And I got to, I want to get there yesterday. And uh these days it's more like, yeah, the destination is cool. But every time I get to the destination, I'm like, what now? I got to go do, look for something bigger that can actually like, you know, make my, my my blood flow and everything ticks so it's the journey and i think you gain that as you get older and mature more
1: oh absolutely and that's that's a great point that it's the journey like you know you learn the patience over the years you learn from your mistakes and now you can have that long term look you're going to say wow this is what's going to happen in five to ten years there are going to be some ups and some downs so you know it's not going to be one smooth ride. it's not going to be a straight line There's going to be a little bumps along the road but you know in the long run as you mm-hmm. focus on your dreams, your goals, man, you know you're going to achieve. It's going to be a fun ride. And and when you can do that, um, because the temptation, in, in especially in this day and age, that Instagram education really messes up a lot of people. When they don't get those results yesterday. They, they give up. They say it doesn't work. And very often, they give up three feet from the goal, as they talk about it. And, they can go away. So, you know, and, and so, guys, listen to what Alex is saying. This guy has been through everything. He's been very successful. He's lost it all. And he's gotten all back. And, you know, for the last uh, 11 years or so, he's got Predict, which has been doing incredible things. He's made his millions. And he still has has a patient, long-term view of everything. And he knows what to expect. So, uh, you know, realists are going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be some failures. But uh, in in the end, the thing to remember is not to give up. Have that long-term view and uh, things will work out. So as uh, so we're coming toward the end of our interview, are there any last minute uh, pieces of advice you'd like to give to our audience, uh, Alex?
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, as an entrepreneur, you know, whether, you, whether you're whether you running a billion dollar company or a million dollar company or uh, I'm not making a profit at all company and man, I got to iterate and get this puppy going or I got to move on to something else. Whatever the case is, I think a lot of a lot of it comes down to like, Um, The mindset, you know, as you're going through it. Now, don't get me wrong. If things aren't working out for you, um, and especially now with everything like after COVID and the way the economy is changing, I get it. Some, Some companies may not be able to iterate and pivot. They may have to just call it quits. I've been there. I've been there a bunch of times. What, what, what we're not talking about in this podcast, uh, by the way, Victor, is the twenty-plus other startups that I've had. Uh, three have done well. Three, but the other, the others. I mean, I've put money and time into companies that, like you said, was five yards from the goal line, and then you had to pull out for different reasons. The the people in the team weren't ready. They had to do something else. She didn't have the finance. There was no longer the market demand. There's a lot of different reasons, right? And sometimes, you know, after doing it for a year or two. But all the way through, what I knew, what I knew was that I would give it my all. And and it's okay if it didn't work out. It's okay. You know, because then I I I know that I gave it my all. Now I I can also honestly say that in in that um Uh, list there's definitely a handful victor just so your listeners know that i knew i wasn't passionate about it um if for one reason or another i was like yeah you know what let me just focus on the bottom line this is a great opportunity we're gonna make money like that's not a good enough reason to do something um or man this just sounds cool i want to do that uh and so it wasn't backed by like any like real passion. And so when the time came to quit, it was like easy to just like move on. So I definitely think that there needs to be like a man, I'm ready to put it all all in and 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 be gritty, but but also you need a, a certain level of passion so that it can get you through the tough times, like all the tough times that we're going through right now because it'll mess with your mindset if if you're looking at your books every day, um it can get tough if if you're not turning a profit and if you can't pay employees because i in the right when covid started in march of 20 um it was like one client after another started uh, closing up shop and i think we're up to like 20 plus clients that have uh, closed for good for different reasons few clients wasn't even because they weren't running you know turning a profit it was like one was a school they were just done they couldn't find the talent right so there's different reason. It's not always a, a failure because it's a learning experience, but um, yeah, I mean, I just like, like I said, you know, in these tough times, try to find like uh, platforms. Like your podcast here is a great platform for people that you bring on. I've listened to other episodes myself. People who have something positive to to come and 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 share with the audience, and like like your listeners, I'm doing the same thing. I'm 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 looking to all kinds of other creators. Authors, business leaders, you name it. And I'm trying to absorb as much as I can and then try some of those strategies myself and and, and try to stay positive, you know?
1: Absolutely. Great stuff. Always be learning, always keep growing because um, things are always changing. And, and like I say, even when things don't work out, you know, we see it as a learning experience. It's great. You know, one acronym for FAIL is First Attempt at Learning or For All I've Learned. So, you don't fail if you've learned from what happens. So as long as you yeah. learn, you move on, to great, you know, you'll know, you definitely continue. And you share the fact that three of your businesses have done really well, but many of the other startups that you did did not work out, but that's okay because in the end, once you become very successful, people don't care about the ones that didn't work out. They're focused on the fact that you're doing fairly well right now. But it's also a reminder that a lot of people who succeed have had things that did not work out. So if it doesn't work out, you move on, and if you don't give up, you eventually will find something that will work out. So, I'm glad yeah. you shared your story there. It's definitely important stuff. Then,
0: yeah, and absolutely. On that note, uh, your listeners can go look for themselves, doing internet, you know, some research on on the internet from reputable websites. Einstein, uh, Picasso, like the greatest names in history, most of their work is not known for that reason, right? And and you hear people share it on TED Talks and whatnot, but I've looked at this stuff myself, and it it is true. There's a lot of authors out there. There's a lot of, you know, musicians that have written thousands of songs that you'll never hear. Um, And yeah, some of it is just, you know, the wasn't the time wasn't right. But many of them, honestly, wasn't just not good enough. It was like, nope, it's not going to cut it. But that's what it takes. You know, it takes you continuously putting in forward that effort to create new ones and yeah you're right we'll, we'll, what we don't often talk about is the failed ones
1: yeah but it's inspiring to those right now that are struggling realize you went through your failures but you know you overcame it and and your stuff got better you got better and realize you keep working at it you work in your prep you will get better and like you said some of those authors they wrote crappy stuff no one really knows about And then later on they wrote some really great books really great novels so so it, it, your time will come if you don't give up and uh yeah and uh, yes i just want to say that's some really great stuff here and you know just giving your all it's okay if you uh you don't succeed sometimes it happens to everyone you know i've never met anyone who said i succeed in everything i've done it just doesn't happen so thanks so much for sharing all that wisdom to me alex and thanks so much for being on the show and before we let you go uh if you want to get in touch with you what is the best way for them to contact you alex
0: Uh yes, just go directly to my website. The personal website is a great place to start. You start listening to the podcast, download some free ebooks. Um, so dadpreneur.co. Dadpreneur.co is the best place for you to connect with our work.
1: Awesome. Great. Again, thanks again for being on the show, Alex. Have yourself an amazing day.
0: Thanks, Victor. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you've enjoyed listening, please smash that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our amazing episodes. Please also leave a five-star rating review and have an awesome day.